0: Welcome to Think Oral,
1: where we connect the unconnected connected between oral and physical health.
0: I'm your host, Dr. Jonathan Levine.
1: And I'm your host, Maria Filipova.
0: Let's get at it.
1: Welcome to our listeners to another exciting episode of Think Oral Health, the podcast. I am Maria Filipova, and I am joined by my partner in crime and co-host, Dr. Jonathan Levine. We are very grateful and very excited to welcome today to our conversation a thought leader, an author, and a leadership coach that spans multiple industries, multiple continents and countries. So we will talk about the Insights and learnings about leadership that cross boundaries and silos. Very excited to have our guest today. And without further ado, Jonathan, why don't you introduce us?
0: Oh, it's my pleasure, Maria. I'm super excited to have my friend, my personal coach, and someone who is just so necessary for people who are looking to grow and grow businesses and really to be successful in all areas. John Roussat is the founder and CEO of Fit for Growth, and he is a well-known business coach. He has an online training platform. He has for 22, 23 years, has advanced individuals with their personal growth and their organization. He has guided people towards all kinds of professional successes. He himself is a multi-award winning business coach and leadership development trainer. Amazing. John, welcome to our podcast. Are exciting for us, Maria and I, to have someone like you on this podcast. Let me ask you, let me start off by asking you this question. But first of all, let me welcome you to our podcast. Welcome,
2: John. We're so Thank, you. You. Thank, Thank you. Thank you, Maria. Thank you, Jonathan. So good to be here with you. It's um. Such a privilege for me to be able to connect with both of you individually, to share some thoughts with your audience, and hopefully inspire all of us to go to our next level of success and significance. I love your podcast. I love the guests that you've had on previously. I'm excited about um, some of the work that we're going to be doing um, from a mission point of view, too. So lots for us to get stuck into today.
0: Fantastic. John, let me start it off with this. Your new book is called Liberate Your Greatness. John, what do you mean by
2: liberate your greatness? Tell us about that. Jonathan, I believe that everybody has greatness within them. And sometimes all we need is a catalyst to spark something inside of us and help us unleash that greatness. So my purpose in life is that I exist to serve by liberating greatness for individuals, teams, and businesses. It's why I do what I do. It lights me up every day. I get excited about the opportunities to have conversations, to connect, to communicate, to collaborate, to co-create with amazing people and help them unlock that something special inside of them that I also believe is, is not only for them. I believe that our greatness is not just for us to unlock for ourselves, but that our greatness is our gift that we get to give to the world. If I can be, play a part in helping someone unlock their greatness, liberate their greatness to share with the world, I'm in.
0: John, you say everyone has greatness. Maria, did you hear what John said? Everyone has greatness. It is so powerful. So let me ask the question, John, what is holding some people back? What's holding people back from that greatness?
2: Sure, it depends, Jonathan. I think um, a lot of what I see individuals battling with um, is, is clarity to begin with, clarity on where they are now and where they want to get to. So really awareness of, their desired future reality, and their current reality. I firmly believe that all proactive change starts with awareness. Ignorance is not bliss. When you're ignorant, that's actually costly. It's not bliss. So if you wanna make change happen, you have to have great awareness to be able to do that. And we're living in an era of accelerating change. So I think a lot of people are overwhelmed. When change happens, you've got three typical responses. It's either fight, flight, or freeze. And I find a lot of people are stuck in this frozen position at the moment where they just don't know, do they take action? Do they fight? Do they take flight? Or where do they go? And and sometimes you just need a coach or, or a guide to challenge and push and help you with perspective so that you have that clarity. And when, with clarity comes peace, with clarity comes confidence, and with clarity comes courage that you can actually step forward and take some action. So I think that's probably one of the biggest things I see holds individuals back. From a business point of view, it really depends on an industry that someone's in, what's happening in the industry, what are some of the blockers to their business. So from that point of view, we'd have a look at it on a case-by-case basis. Mm-hmm.
1: Sorry. And, and, sorry yeah.
0: yeah. Hey, John, the people you've worked with over those these last two decades plus, what have you learned from your own experience with
2: people? What, what are those biggest learnings for you? Jonathan, Tony Robbins says that success leaves clues. So I've definitely seen that. You can see those that are successful um, have fantastic habits in place. So I'm super passionate about helping people make common sense, common practice, where sense is all about sleep, exercise, nutrition, spirit, and environment. So often when I'm you know, coaching leaders in, in a corporate environment, I'll ask them, what are the most important things that leaders should master? And they'll say to me it's communication skills and it's influence. I'm mean, like, yes, those things are important, but actually you need to master your sleep, your exercise, your nutrition, your spiritual environment. It's the personal ecosystem. Cause when we win in our private lives, that spills over into our public lives and it helps us thrive in that sense. On the flip side, with having worked now with individuals and teams and businesses in 33 countries around the world, I see a lot of individuals burning out in organizations where they're celebrating. Achievements at all costs, they're not encouraging people to take care of their mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual well being. And that holds back individuals and it holds back businesses from performing at their true potential. You just get such a good sense of where the best practice is. And that ranges from entrepreneurs to large corporates to medium sized businesses across the range. Getting those elements is critical for personal success and professional success. Yes. Achievements at all costs. Maria, did you hear that one?
1: I love the achievement at all costs. I want to make sure that we are also connecting to some of those entrepreneurs out there who find themselves uncharted waters, if you will, where it might seem like everything is stacked up, the odds are stacked up against them. And so how do you advise the leaders that you coach who are trying to come up with a new solution, new product in a fairly entrenched market or industry? And how do they overcome, how, how does that personal and professional mutually reinforces each other to be successful in something that's fairly difficult to do?
2: It's a really difficult uh, economic landscape at the moment. You know? So hats off to every entrepreneur, every leader, every worker who's out there working hard to provide for their families and make progress. I think that's uh, important to recognize and acknowledge upfront. I think where people make the mistake is that achievement at all cost element where they lose their well-being, they lose relationships or they damage relationships because they're overdoing it from a work point of view. So I really try to help my clients identify why they're doing what they're doing. When you understand the why behind what you're doing, and you get emotionally connected to that. There's such a purpose-driven drive that you have. It's gonna enable a higher level of necessity. It's also gonna enable a higher level of productivity where you start being crystal clear on what's deliberately on your plate and what's deliberately off your plate. So productivity is a big thing. A lot of people will tell me, look, they don't have time to do certain things, like they don't have time to exercise, or they don't have time to take care of themselves. But actually, self-care is in the service of others. When you look after yourself and you put your oxygen mask on first, that helps everybody around you. I know in my own life, I'm a better person when I've had exercise. I'm a better father to my kids. I'm a better coach to my clients. I'm a better husband to my wife. I'm just a better person because I've had that time for myself to just generate some energy, to get some oxygen in, get all the right hormones going, and just topping out my own tank so that I can serve at a higher level. It's counterintuitive. People think that they don't have time for that sort of thing. But actually, if you want to succeed at higher levels, you can't afford not to take care of yourself. John,
0: don't they say that to be a great leader, you have to start with yourself and your own personal growth and your own personal mastery?
2: Absolutely, Jonathan. I'm a firm believer in that too. You've got to lead self and you've got to master your personal ecosystem, and the way that you lead yourself before you can lead others. One of uh, my great mentors, John Maxwell, speaks about how leaders go the way before they show the way. So it's difficult for you to guide someone on a journey that you haven't been yet. If you want to lead people, if you want to inspire people to follow you, and that's part of the definition of leadership is, do you have followers? Have you got people who by choice want to follow you? If you do, you're a leader. And if you're going to inspire it means that you're doing something that's role modeling what good looks like it's inspiring them to take the right action because they see, they can see it you know you're doing it you're doing the thing and it's making a positive impact in your life and the lives of those around you
0: and john what's the big challenge to get people to change once you've kind of spent time with someone and you're coaching them how do you get them to a point where they're changing and it's sticking, and they're buying into it, and they're emotional about it. How do you get them there and get them to that next level and and bring out that
2: greatness? Probably the first four steps of my liberating greatness framework, Jonathan will will answer that question. And it's a six-step process, but the first four steps in particular, where we talk about all proactive change starts with awareness. So awareness is the first step. You have to be aware of where you are now and where you wanna get to. And sometimes even just that awareness is quite a a mindset shift for clients to, to make where maybe they're in denial and they haven't accepted their current situation. And sometimes it's just about if you want to go on a weight loss journey, stand on the scale, look in front of the mirror, be real about your current reality, celebrate it as it is what it is, but it doesn't have to stay like this. And then say, well, what's the desired future reality? And what does that look like? Get really clear on that to identify the gap. Then with awareness, when you've got great awareness, the next step is alignment, where you need to get aligned with your purpose, your mission, your values, your goals, your objectives. Because if you're aware that, we spoke about Lenny Kravitz earlier, an amazing artist, right? An incredible musician, talented singer, just an amazing human being as well. If somebody wants is aware of the fact that they can't sing, and that's a gap in their life, and alignment-wise, their goal is to become a professional golfer, then singing and golf is completely misaligned. So they shouldn't be setting goals on singing if their goal is to become a professional golfer. So I'm always gonna encourage someone to have great awareness, great alignment with purpose, mission, values, and goals and objectives, then to take the right action. Because when you know where you you are and where you wanna get to, you can take proactive action. And the big thing with action is accountability. I think that's one of the things that my clients really benefit from is having someone to hold them accountable And often I'll ask a room full of leaders who loves accountability and I'll get a few hands popping up, but not everybody loves accountability. People don't want to be held accountable. Where actually I think accountability is a game changer. When you've got someone saying, Maria, you promised me you'd show up in this way. Jonathan, you promised me you'd show up in this way. You said you were going to do these things. Where is it? Can I see it? Are you making progress? You will raise necessity and do those things and show up at your highest best self if someone's holding you accountable. So I think those first four elements of the framework really do help people change. Great awareness and great alignment helps you take laser-focused action. And with accountability, it just raises your standards to new levels of excellence.
0: And John, is Maria, weigh in on this, the people who are successful at the things they do, where they really, they create, an environment for people to thrive, they know how to build teams. When you come down to it, John, what's that difference with those types of people who see time in and time out, wherever they go, they define success. What do these people have? Is it magic? Is it a Midas touch?
2: How would you define that in people? The biggest thing when it comes to building high-performance teams, Jonathan, is connection. I see it all the time that dysfunctional teams don't communicate, they're not collaborating, they're competing rather than working together. There's no empathy. They're operating in silos, whether it's functional silos or across regions, across geographies. And I work with a lot of global organizations where we see exactly that. We see one trading block not interacting with another and they're competing against each other. What I see with high-performance teams is they are connected on a human level. They're highly energized, highly engaged individuals and teams. They drive growth together with clarity and empathy. And then they can co-create the future because they're communicating and they're collaborating. I just think the the human side to that, it's the connection. I love your, both of you and, and your emphasis on uh, making people smile and just recognizing that you give them a gift when you give them a smile. It just it lights people up. It gives them hope. It gives them encouragement. That's what we need on a day-to-day basis. If you go into a room and you smile, you light up the room, as opposed to if there's no connection and you're not smiling and people are grumpy, you can't communicate, you can't collaborate, you're not going to co-create the future. So I would say that's top of the list from a a high-performance team point of view. Those that are successful at creating high-performance teams find a way to get their people to connect and then everything else follows suit. Amazing. Amazing how that happens
1: just going to pile in on the narrative around connection and accountability. Mm. Because, again, we are all here because we have a job to do. And the job that I have taken on is transforming or bridging silos between medical and dental fields, uh, transforming uh, industries that are fairly ingrained in, in what they're doing. And at the end of the day, these are all people, decision makers. And so the notion about approaching somebody with a smile and a yes can happen attitude is really powerful. It's also powerful to hold ourselves accountable because that connection, I think, doesn't necessarily mean that you always have to be glossing over the not so positive things. We have some real truths that we need to acknowledge. Mm -hmm. And if you are a high-performing team, tasked with a pretty important difficult job as part of that team dynamic and part of that connection, you have to be able to hold yourself accountable and share some uncomfortable truths uh, with each other and with the folks who you're working with in the ecosystem. Spend a lot of time thinking about what is that connection, that trust build on and how could those teams be able to operate in environments that are resistant to change?
2: So I think a lot of that connection has to do with sincere care and intention. What's the intention? If the intention is for mutual benefit, then we're actually, we're accountability partners. So we're partnering in holding each other accountable. And that's why I see it as such a good thing that if you're holding me accountable to a higher standard, Maria, then I I, I want to be grateful for that. I will be grateful for that because I've given you permission, you've given me permission, we've got an agreement. That's our way of working is we don't want silos. We want to embrace cognitive diversity, recognizing that in this call, Jonathan's going to see one thing. I'm going to see something slightly different again. So rather than saying, no, 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 you need to see my point of view, let's say, Jonathan, help me see your point of view because I don't see it like that. And it's great that you have a slightly different perspective. What do you see? Maria, what do you see? Oh, wow, I didn't see that. So to embrace each other's perspectives, I think is quite powerful rather than having people defend their positions, when you are genuinely connected, when there's a lot of care and good intention to hold each other accountable in a positive way, you actually start to see each other's perspectives in new light. And I think that's quite powerful.
0: And and John, where does leadership play in here? When you look at the different leadership styles that have evolved over the last decades, maybe the older style, that they used to call command and control, and is one more of in the armed forces versus today's thinking. Could you contrast the two different, clearly two different styles, and and how does that impact the success and the quality conversations that come out of successful organizations and and great environments to work in?
2: From a leadership point of view, Jonathan, I think a lot of that has to do with the situation and lots of great work has gone into situational leadership frameworks and understanding where do you need to be directive? Where do you need to coach? And, you know, where can you guide and and possibly delegate um, certain things? I think uh, for me, a lot of it has to do with culture as well. What sort of culture are you trying to set up in the organization? Your people will follow what you do. They will follow your example. So that means there's a massive responsibility on us as leaders to role model the attitude, the behaviors, the ways of working that we want to see our people embody, especially when it comes to having, breaking down silos and getting people to collaborate across geographies or functions or or even industries. We need to lean in to be able to do that. We've got to start first, role model what good looks like and people will follow suits. It really does depend on the environment and personal style and the culture that you're trying to set up.
0: And how would you define the ideal culture that a leader needs to embrace across organizations to build that culture?
2: It's a culture where people are connecting, they're communicating, they're collaborating, and they're co-creating the future. I can see that a mile away, that if people are not communicating, if there's misunderstanding, they're on the left-hand side of another framework that I've developed where a team's dysfunctional, and that is you've got high-potential talents that are disconnected, they are frustrated, they're potentially checking out because they feel like they're stagnating. You've got teams that are not communicating well, so there's dysfunction there. And you've got these silos, you've got functional teams operating in silos. On the right-hand side of the framework, we are know it is a high-performance team. you have got highly energized and engaged individuals and teams. They're driving growth together with clarity, with confidence, with courage, and they're co-creating the future with empathy communication and collaboration. So for me, that's just such a clear goal that we should have in the in our organizations. It speeds up productivity. It helps people with their confidence and their influence. Teams that operate like that achieve greater things. And that's really my heart's desire with liberating greatness is how do I help individuals, teams and businesses accelerate their growth, achieve their goals faster and amplify their impact. And impact is really where it gets exciting when we're able to achieve our goals faster, accelerate our growth, and then amplify the impact that we can have in the world, that's the ripple effect that takes place well beyond our years on this planet. And that's ultimately what I'm uh, hoping to inspire people to do. Brilliant. And that's what you do.
0: Let me ask my age-old question, because as we age and as the decades go on, I know personally my mindset has, has somewhat changed. What happens as we do get older and what happens when you go from your 30s, which is more of your go years, uh, all the way up to your 40s and 50s and beyond, I understood and I experienced it that we might not be able to do some of the things we did when we were younger, but we have gained this experiential knowledge, what we might call it wisdom, where the as you can impart that on the younger, high-energy people, that's a great combination for an organization. And if you agree with that, what's the dynamic there? What exactly is going on between someone who's kind of lived life and had certain experiences and and handled challenges and headwinds, along with someone who's really go in their 30s, high-end energy, entrepreneurial, but haven't really lived those experiences
2: yet? Wow, sure. So people at different stages in their life, for them to be able to connect and collaborate with others that have either got more experience that they can learn from or somebody that they can mentor to be able to share those experiences, really getting the generations to connect. And whenever I think about mindsets, I always connect that to skill set and tool set. What's your mindset like? And what skill set do you need to have for this next chapter in your life? And what tools do you need to have for the next chapter in your life, depending on what you want to achieve? As we get older, we do have more wisdom. So how do you share that wisdom? Some people want to completely taper back and they want to wind down. And and I'm totally fine. There's no judgments if people want to do that. And others want to ramp up. They want to say, actually, this is my time to share everything that I've acquired over the last 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years, depending on, on how old someone is. And there's such a great opportunity for more sharing of wisdom. And embracing the generational diversity, the fact that we can share knowledge and pass over the baton from one generation to the next. Because I'm thinking about your the conversation about sharing your point of views
0: with different people and how people with different points of views can come together, especially when they have a great sense of empathy and the listening skills to learn from each other. I mean, with the mindset that every day you're learning and you have a lifetime of learning. I remember, uh, listening to John Maxwell talking about Teddy Roosevelt. And here he is on his, in the morning that he passed away in the bed underneath his pillow was a book. And mm. it just spoke of who Teddy Roosevelt was, where he started. And it's just been such a, he's such an, was an amazing president, but he stood for and was so emblematic of a person who learned every day, grew every day and was always challenging himself. And there's somebody who's such an inspirational figure for all of them.
2: Absolutely. And that humility to learn and grow every day, I think is quite powerful. And I don't think it's a coincidence that the word earn is in the word learn. So I think if we're learning on a daily basis, it helps us earn more. We, we acquire more skills. We have more to contribute to conversations, to to businesses, to to the people around us. Yeah, to be lifelong learners and recognize that there's such a great opportunity to acquire knowledge and to share knowledge. In my book, I actually talk about six different levels of of mastery, and recognizing that the first thing is to be curious. You've got to be curious. You've got to ask questions. Then you can learn something through a podcast, through an audiobook, a book, a video. You can learn something for yourself. The third level is actually to apply that knowledge to put that into practice. The fourth level is to start teaching it to others. When you start teaching what you know, that actually takes you to a new level of mastery. The fifth level is to coach it. And the sixth level is just to be a role model where people don't even need to hear you say anything. They can see you doing it at a level that inspires them, encourages them, uplifts them, and they want to just do what you do. So yeah, super, super passionate about being lifelong learners.
1: On that, a very positive note and invitation to our listeners to learn more. John, how could our listeners engage with you and your frameworks and your books? Uh, how can they learn more?
2: Thank you, Maria. I appreciate that. So I am on LinkedIn. You'll find me on LinkedIn, John Russo. Same on Instagram as well. To get my book, you can either um, go to liberateyourgreatness.com, where you'll see all of the different online retailers that have the book available. And I do also have some free downloads if you purchase on one of those retail sites and then fill lot of details, you'll get access to a masterclass and some PDF downloads. So liberateyourgreatness.com and obviously the book's available on all uh, major online retailers throughout the, U- the US, the UK and across the world. Amazing.
1: Fantastic. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for sharing that inspiration and that invitation for everybody to learn and earn the <laughs> wisdom uh, that comes from lifelong learning. Thank you.
2: My well, absolute pleasure, Maria. Thank you, Maria. Thank you, Jonathan. Thank it's you, John. Privilege being with you today. Thank you.
0: Thanks for listening to the Think Oral podcast.
1: For the show notes and resources from today's podcast,
0: visit us at www.outcomesrocket.health slash thinkoral
1: or start a conversation with us on social media.
0: Until then, keep smiling
1: and connecting care.